Welcome to Swift Unwrapped, a podcast about the Swift programming language and other Swift.org projects. My name's JP Smart. And I'm Jesse Squires. And today we're talking about uh, migrating to Swift 4. Um, strategies, just the joy of doing it. Um, yeah. Yeah, and how we all just want to do it once, uh, throw it away, and keep doing it over and over again because it's so much fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm actually, I'm in the middle of, uh, still in the middle of migrating playing grades code base at the moment. Uh, Can you share like how many lines of code, of Swift 3 code that is that you're going through? How many modules, you know, how many frameworks? Uh, so we have... We have a number of uh, third-party frameworks through CocoaPods that we use. Many of those are actually Objective-C, so we don't have to worry about. Um, And then we have our main app target and one internal, uh, or two internal framework targets. And so not using CocoaPods internally to to share that code, it's just like the frameworks within uh, like an app target project, you know, and so far it's been reasonable. There's a few weird things, mostly like API name changes, having to add at obc on uh, a few more things that Swift implicitly inferred before. Um, but now you have to do that manually. So are these uh, where you're adding at obc. Um, is that for methods that need to be dynamically dispatched for like? Um, you uh, interface builder or storyboards or some yes um, most cases it's target selector APIs okay. where the selector you know it's an NS object subclass like a view controller or mm-hmm. something um, and you hook up say a UI button and the selector like you know did tap button is not explicitly marked at obc and swift 3 just kind of automatically inferred that and now you need to be more explicit in swift 4 if you use the um the pound selector syntax Mm -hmm. can you not pass uh functions that aren't marked at obc uh you can well you could in swift 3 now when you do that uh it requires that uh, at obc annotation. All right. As far as I know, as far as I can tell. Yep. Um, and so that's like, we had a lot of cases where we had omitted that. Uh, but of course, Swift 3 didn't complain. So we're kind of going little by little. We've updated a few of our third-party libraries um, that have already had updates for Swift 4. Um, and so we're kind of, we're basically just going module by module. Uh, but for the um, uh, for the main app and our internal frameworks, those will probably all land at once. Um, so right. So um, let's talk a little bit about how y- you can migrate to Swift four now because Swift four has uh, a Swift three dot two compatibility mode. Mm-hmm. Um, the the promise there is that you should be able to migrate module by module when you're going from 
say, Swift 3.x to 4.0. And so, for example, um, if your code previously compiled with Swift 3.1.1 with the latest version of Xcode 8, and uh, you wanted to migrate to Swift 4, then you could do it in small chunks. Like, mm-hmm. for example, you first migrate all of that to Swift 3.2, right? which is, for the most part, source compatible with uh, 3.1.1, other than a few things here and there. Yeah, uh, things which were basically like bugs or technically errors. That, well, yes, but right. there are a few... We've talked about this on the show before, yeah. where there are a few... Um, uh, explicit changes in mm-hmm. Swift 3.2 that uh, the Swift core team just decided weren't worth uh, like emulating previous behavior. So, f- for example, yeah. uh, having the element type alias on sequence, mm. you know, that might break code. So code that previously compiled with 3.1 doesn't necessarily compile with 3.2, yeah. but it does with a few minor changes. <laughs> and so the promise is that you migrate everything th- Swift 3.2 first, which is hopefully very minimal. Mm-hmm. And then at, at that point, then you can migrate module by module uh, to Swift 4. And whether that's like a uh, very far dependency of your main app or your main app, you can kind of go in any direction there. Um, so you can have some modules that are on Swift 3.2 and others that are on 4. And because it's the same compiler, they should all talk to each other. Mm-hmm. So is there a reason why? Um, most of this you think will land all at once versus doing it piecemeal, module by module. Yeah, so, well, we are going module by module for third-party stuff. And our internal frameworks, um, uh, it just kind of makes, they're not very big, so it kind of makes sense just to have it all land at once. And there are also like a couple of CocoaPods issues that we've run into. So CocoaPods, like it, knows about Swift versions, but not really. Um, and Swift versions also don't follow Simver, <laughs> uh, which is uh, frustrating, <laughs> but that's how it is. And uh, so y- you'll get errors or you could get errors if you're using CocoaPods saying that you have these incompatible like Swift versions with your dependencies and your app targets. Um, basically, what CocoaPods wants to see is that any target that depends on uh, pods, they need to have matching Swift version numbers. Um, I think that's what it is. Uh, so we're still kind of working through this. You can probably do some hacks in your pod file with uh, like the post install hooks. Um, to get this working, um, but you'll probably have a few issues there that yeah. you need to resolve. Yeah, and I I don't want to put all the blame necessarily on CocoaPods because Xcode itself kind of makes it tricky uh, mm-hmm. to support multiple Swift versions yeah. or to have dip, or to have targets that have different Swift versions in there. Like one thing that comes to mind is if you want to support uh, both Xcode eight and Xcode nine. Uh, therefore, say you want to support Swift 3.1 through 4.0, mm-hmm. um, that there's no setting that you can put in your Xcode project that'll just say, like, um, you inherit whatever Swift version my consumer wants. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you have an Xcode project for a framework and you want to support multiple Swift versions like that, um, there's really not much that you can do. Uh, and there's no way 
no real way to like dynamically choose which XC config file that Xcode pulls out. I mean, mm-hmm. there are hacks where, you know, you could say, well, with Xcode 8, use this XC config file and with Xcode 9, use this one. But for the most part, they, they don't really work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Apple's really made it kind of tricky for people who are either in the process of migrating, especially if it takes a while, or who just want to support multiple Swift versions concurrently, mm-hmm. which the Swift language now supports very nicely, right? With those compiler directives where you have um, pound Swift version greater than 3.2, say. Right. Um, but Xcode itself still doesn't really help you there, where um, if you put a Swift version of 4.0 in your Xcode project file, then... Xcode 8 will throw its hands and it'll mm-hmm. say, like, no, I can't read this incompatible Swift version. And uh, and vice versa, actually. If you have Swift 3.1 yeah. as your Swift version, then Xcode 9 won't, won't like it. So there's no real way to kind of live in both worlds. Which, yeah. I mean, it almost seems intentional in a way. And that, I mean, my impression was kind of that uh, the reason that Swift 3.2 existed was precisely for this reason basically to coerce everyone just to like move to 3.2 and go from there. But I I imagine this isn't a super common scenario, but uh, when would this be like valuable to do? If you're developing any sort of library that's that's used by other, by multiple consumers who don't control the version of Xcode that they're using. Sure. So every single CocoaPod out there that you see, every single Carthage framework uh, has a choice to either drop uh, support for 3.x or for for Xcode 8 really, Mm -hmm. or um, to have this kind of pile of hacks. Right. And so it's fr- what's especially frustrating is that there are a number of affordances in Swift, in Swift Package Manager even, um, that try to make it easy to support multiple Swift versions. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you have one weak link in the chain, in this case, Xcode, or in your case, CocoaPods, yeah. then uh, the whole thing falls apart. So for example, we have these Swift version compiler directives. There's also... Um, the Swift Package Manager has the ability to specify different package.swift files uh, depending on the version of Swift tooling that you're using. Right. You can uh, even have Swift version compiler directives within your package.swift file. So all of these things uh, are kind of rendered moot if your Xcode project can't use can't support multiple Swift versions either. Right. Uh, other than the two that Xcode 9 ship with. So yeah, all in all, a little frustrating there, but uh, hopefully it's it's a short transition period. What ends up happening in practice is that people aggressively drop support for older Xcode versions. Right. Um, so I should say library authors aggressively drop support for older Xcode versions, right. but app developers don't. So they're stuck on old versions that have bugs and are missing features of their dependencies because it takes them a while to do their migration mm-hmm. while library authors have moved on. Uh, I'm guilty of that. I aggressively have dropped uh, Swift 3.1 and below on all the, the projects that I currently maintain. Um, or if they haven't been updated, that's what I'm planning to do. Um but it's like, I don't know, if you're a library author, especially if you have multiple libraries that you're maintaining, it's just, uh, it's the trade-off between doing that or just like 
spending way more time on, you know, maintaining these open source projects. Yeah, but um, really, other than this Xcode issue that I found, source-wise, it's not a big deal to have a handful of uh, compiler directives. And and usually, even for large libraries I've seen, Mm -hmm. uh, it's really not all that much code duplication. Yeah, It's usually just kind of a handful of things here and there. Maybe you'll have like... Uh, a Swift shims file where um, you can kind of program to a common interface and then it abstracts away, say, the uh, the, the few differences between Swift 3.1 and 4.0. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we've talked about this before. One of the major goals for Swift 4.0 was, was uh, staying close to source compatibility. Right. And so as a library author, it's actually not that hard to have a Swift code base that supports multiple Swift versions now, mm-hmm. except that in practice, people won't do it because the tooling sucks. Right. right. So that, that's the only thing that's frustrating is that, um, you know, we we could have nice things, but <laughs> if you have one weak link, uh, it all falls apart. Right. Yeah. So it's really, if you're doing Swift development uh, outside of Xcode, purely with uh, Swift Package Manager, then you really don't have much of a problem. No, you're mostly yeah. covered there. Yeah. yeah. So it's really just Xcode's fault, uh, as usual. <laughs> yeah. <No. laughs> uh, if you're listening, Xcode folks, we, we love you, uh, but please listen to our complaints. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say Xcode 9 is pretty great so far. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, in fact, it's so good that at Lyft, we uh, have aggressively yeah. moved exclusively to Xcode 9. Uh, and we did that basically as soon as the GM hit. Yeah. Um, we made sure that we were requiring Xcode 9 for our development, went as far as to uh, drop uh, iOS 7 and 8 support. Um, wow. Yeah, so pretty aggressive. And uh, now we're living entirely in Xcode 9 land. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty nice. Um, and so the first step was to just migrate everything to Swift 3.2. Mm-hmm. And then just about a week later, everything else was migrated to Swift 4. Yeah. Um, so similar to you, I guess we, um, you know, rather than migrate each module piecemeal, it was just kind of easier to get it all over and done with. Mm-hmm. And I think it's even easier if uh, you're not even trying to support Xcode 8. Right. Right. Yeah. We uh, at Playing Grid, we also moved over to uh, Xcode 9 immediately. Uh, we migrated to Swift 3.2 during the beta period. And we we just added like the Swift checks um, in our code. Um, And so we did do this kind of uh, dance between uh, 3.1 and 3.2 with Xcode 8 and 9 during the betas. Um, But we didn't really see, we didn't have too many issues uh, actually. And there are some things that you could do that, um, I guess most of the changes we had to make with only a couple exceptions, were were actually backwards compatible. And so it wasn't a problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and now uh, with Xcode 9.1, or 9.0.1, I guess, the whatever beta yeah. uh, is out now, uh, Swift is starting to be more aggressive in its deprecation warnings. So, for example, if you've used the characters subview on mm. string before, 
Uh, well, in Swift 4.0, um, you still do that. It wasn't a warning. Now it's a warning. Mm. Uh, so pretty aggressive um, deprecation, deprecation schedule there. Although it, it makes total sense to me, um, that progression. You know, yeah. I'd, I'd rather have uh, fewer warnings, um, a longer kind of migration period as far as Swift versioning is concerned. And then uh, with, with point releases afterwards, then it should be a lot easier to, to migrate that Mm -hmm. yeah so um you know there's you can use different strategies here whether it's um dropping support for xcode 8 very early uh move on live on the cutting edge uh that's probably if you can do that that's the easiest by far Uh, you avoid some headaches uh and then the other alternative is if you're developing a library uh you'd probably want to maintain support for xcode 8 for as long as you can just because there are people who are probably relying on that. Uh, What we'll probably be doing for for Swift Lint is to uh, cut one last release. Actually, this was done this morning. Um, One last release was cut with whatever we had on master that still supports Swift 3.1. And then uh, we're moving on to Swift 3.2 and later Mm -hmm. just to to avoid some of these hacks that we were talking about, some of the limitations in tooling. It's a shame, but at least we'll have uh, kind of the... Well, one last release with with support for it, and then we can encourage people to upgrade. Yeah, um, I guess last things to note: there is a migration guide on Swift.org um, that people can review, and Xcode has the uh, the built-in migrator, which I actually had a lot of trouble with. Uh, it seemed to, I mean, basically like with previous versions of the migrator, it just seems to be very flaky. You'll run it. It'll catch some stuff, but not everything. For at least one target, um, it just totally failed. Like it just said it couldn't do it. And so I just had to change the version number in the Xcode proj file and then compile and then just like kind of manually go through mm-hmm. um, and apply all the fixits and uh, fix other other errors that um, didn't have a fix it. So um, although a couple uh, Swift team members on Twitter pointed out that uh, so I was using the new build system on uh, the target that failed. Uh, so they suggested use the old build, build system when you uh, initiate the migrator. Um, yeah. So hashtag pro tip. Use the old build system to migrate if you're having trouble and see if that does better. Yeah. Um. One thing I noticed is that you can't really run the migrator if you already sort of support Swift 4, right? It kind of has to be a pure Swift 3 code base in order for the migrator to uh, to, to to know what it's doing. Yeah, it seems to get confused pretty easily. Yeah. So like if you have compiler directives for Swift 4 support, it'll ignore that because the migrator basically parses your code while running in Swift 3 mode because mm. that's the code that you're asking it to migrate. And so if you already have compiler directives for Swift 4, uh, then it'll skip those, just like the compiler skips those when you're compiling for Swift 3. So one thing I could suggest is to like actually rip out those compiler directives, run run the migrator, and then uh, you know only add those compiler directives for the things that, have, that you didn't have before. Mm-hmm. And then the other obligatory comment I have to make is that the migrator is open source. So oh, yeah. um, it's probably not going to be 
of a ton of use for you unless you can uh, fix a bug in it and then build your own Swift tool chain, (laughs) which will take a few hours um, and then run the migrator. I mean, odds are that it'll probably take less time for you to actually just migrate your code by hand than it is to fix a migrator bug. (laughs) But, um, and and especially at this point, now that Xcode 9 has has shipped officially, then uh, people won't really get this, whatever migrator improvements you have until the next version of Xcode. So, right. um, Yeah, it's really kind of a hairy situation all around. Uh, There's no no clean solution. And so this... Newest beta of Xcode 9 presumably has Swift 4.1 bundled or maybe not? 4.0.1. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and The real 4.0. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, if you look at uh, the Xcode 8 and Swift 3.x um, timeline, we didn't get Swift 3.1 until Xcode 8.3 in March of 2017. Oh, that's right. So it takes a while. Um, it takes a while. And... So if you're so for example, some of the PRs that have landed in Swift Master since Swift 4.0 was branched out, mm-hmm. so b- before even the official release, those features might not make it into an official Swift release until March. So for example, the autosynthesized equatable and hashable mm-hmm. implementations, we might be waiting a while for that, even though it was merged like over a month ago yeah. in Swift Master. And that's because um, the Swift team tends to be conservative when cherry picking uh, things that have landed in Master into the Swift X branch, yeah. in this case Swift 4, um, until, you know, say 4.1. Right, right. Well, I think that's all we have for this episode. Uh you can find me on Twitter, uh, Jesse underscore Squires. You can find the show, Swift underscore Unwrapped. You can find me on Twitter at SimJP. And as always, uh, if you enjoy the show, please leave a review on iTunes and join spectrum.chat slash specfm slash Swift dash Unwrapped. Thanks for listening. Unwrapped.